Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, today the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office announced that they're expanding a major criminal justice reform pilot program. So what does it do? What does it not do? How can diversion really make the criminal justice system better for everyone? Uh, We're working to get uh, Sim Gill, the Salt Lake County District Attorney, on the line to break it down for us just uh, a little bit. Uh, They have been doing a pilot program in the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office and uh, today they were presenting some of the results for that and uh, giving us a, a sense uh, for, for what that is and what that actually means. So it was actually today they uh, they held a press conference today uh, talking about uh, what this new pilot program has done, what the results have been. Uh, and I'm, I'm really anxious to, to get uh, Sim Gill's take on all of this as it looks at uh, is there a, a way to really reduce – crowding inside the Salt Lake County Jail, plus uh, dealing with some of those low-level crimes and making sure that there is a, a diversion and a path to, to do it a little bit different. And uh, we now have Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill on the line. And uh, Sim, we appreciate you joining us today. Just for our listeners, give us just a quick uh, background on this pilot program. What was the objective? What were you setting out to do? Well, thank you uh, for having me. Yeah, two years ago, we had a press conference, and we wanted to test out a hypothesis, which was that uh, we used sort of a single uh, sort of way of addressing all criminal behavior. Could we divert people and slow the flow of criminalization with proper accountability and better outcomes? And what would that diversion look like? Because if we talk about criminal justice reform, especially for low-level offenders, there's huge collateral consequences from just mere allegation of filing the charges or conviction that impacts their earning capacity, their jobs, their families, uh, economic welfare, etc. So what we did is we sent, we diverted 450 cases and the data was really compelling. We wanted to study it and we, uh, we diverted 450 cases. There's 100 still participating. 350 people moved out of the program and the result was that 313 uh, graduated successfully 37 out of those 350 uh, flunked out, and we filed charges on them, so they they were held accountable. And then we looked at the data from those who graduated successfully, and we found out that their recidivism was only 8%. Mm. 
Mm. And that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, so that led us to uh, sharing that data uh, that we collected and to now to expand this to 500 to 1,000 people we want to divert, as well as not only low risk and low need, but also medium risk and medium need. And we are doing it with case management, with partnership with criminal justice services from Salt Lake County, which does a risk needs assessment of them. And then we proportionally fit the kind of uh, treatment and support they need to be successful and be accountable for their behavior. So it's a win for the community. It's a win for the defendant. It's a win for our system. And to give you one example, if we can hit that 1,000 mark that we want to hit, that means that we, uh, every law enforcement agency gives four hours uh, time to every officer to go in. And if you have two officers, that's almost 8,000 hours mm-hmm. of police time that we, they can spend being out in the community rather than wasting it at court. So, so that's what we talked about today, Boyd. Oh, that's uh, th- that is very encouraging, and and let's dig into it just a little bit because I I love these kind of programs that combine uh, a different way, some accountability uh, that leads towards result, and really show us that rule of law and compassion are compatible principles. Uh, and so, give us some insight into into the program itself. How does it play out? And for these three hundred and thirteen that graduated. Uh, what, what did they graduate with, and what is it that made it different, uh, especially as it relates to that recidivism number, uh, which to me is really encouraging? It is. And so what it really means is that our traditional approach has huge collateral consequences, which you and I as taxpayers uh, pick up the money uh, on that. And also that it overburdens a system where we can have the same kind of outcome. So with these uh, individuals who went in there, their cases referred to a team of lawyers and, uh, and uh, social workers who are part of our criminal justice uh, case management. They screen and they, it's a voluntary program. I'm not going to force anybody into it, but we give them the carrot of not even having the case be filed if they're willing to address the underlying issue would cause that crisis in the community in the first place, and law enforcement had to respond. So we want that accountability piece, but we also want them to grow and learn from it in a permanent way so they are not repeating that offense. So we had a couple of letters that were read from basically some young folks who were intersecting with the criminal justice system, who were trying to go to the University of Utah, whose entire future was compromised by the possibility of us filing this uh, charge and and it really looks at their needs so what is the structure they need we do a risk need assessment uh, what, uh, if they, uh, what is the support they need, the, what kind of treatment they uh, can benefit, and you try to tailor fit that proportionately for that uh, that person's need. So we don't have to use a shotgun to kill a mosquito, but it's a very st- a strategic and surgical sort of approach. And in the process, there are 450 cases we didn't file, uh, almost 900 officers who don't have to go to court about it, and we get an 8% recidivism rate, and if they mess up, Here's the good part, right? Here's the safety net. If they mess up, I can always file charges on them, Boyd, so that accountability piece continues to happen. I uh, love that. That is such a, a crucial part. And I love the precision of this, that uh, that you really can tailor it to the need of, of that individual. And what is it that led them to that crisis moment or to that moment where they, uh, you know, disobeyed the law or committed a crime or whatever it might be? 
Uh, and having right. that kind of precision targeting, uh, to me, seems to be such a, a vital part of this. And then, as, as you mentioned, uh, the, the accountability on the back end, that if they, they flunk out or if they decide to, to go back to the old way, uh, that there, there is some accountability built into the system. That's right. And what we're doing is we're incrementally building. There, it has four silos. The first silo is pre-filing diversion uh, based on the level of structure and need that they need. The second one is a post-filing diversion. They may need a little bit more structure and accountability. The third silo is post-filing adjudication like plea in advance, which, they, which is more structure. And the fourth silo is post-conviction. Mm. So take, for example, these 450 cases. Instead of us doing the old model and filing on it, right now we only have to file on 37 of them because they flunked out and they need greater accountability and greater structure. And then we can tailor fit that accountability so it's a win-win for our community without us wasting those resources. So today's announcement really was to now go into phase two and phase three, which is my goal, which is aspirational, is to take it to between 1,000 to 1,500 cases because my office screens almost 16 to 17,000 cases. We file about 14 to 15,000. That would represent 10% of, uh, of my total caseload that I screen. But the result of which would be uh, anywhere from 8,000 to 12,000 police hours that we would save in a 12-month period for our community, where that law enforcement community is out there uh, serving and protecting and focusing on the violent crime so we can focus on that rather than this low-level crime, which has huge collateral impacts that ultimately, unfortunately, every taxpayer picks up the tab on. So we save money, we have accountability and low recidivism. It's a win-win. Why wouldn't we want to do it? Uh, that's fantastic. And that is uh, the approach we like to look at is how do we actually get to those results, have accountability, uh, and as I said before, prove out that rule of law and compassion are compatible principles. And we can make sure that these people are in their communities where they need to be, in their homes where they need to be, uh, and being yeah. valuable members of society where we need them to be. Uh, Sim Gill, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it was really great to have Chief uh, Ken Wallentine and Chief Eining from Dareboro and uh, Chief Ken Wallentine from West Jordan there. And they really drove home the point that this is also a win for law enforcement. Because to your earlier point, we have an interest in changing behavior, not disproportionately impacting people in a way that they, we put a millstone around their neck. And it was great to have them there stand by uh, our side recognize that this is effective policing, but it is that balance between compassion and accountability. Ah, fantastic. Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill, a great pilot program. We look forward to this next phase uh, and the uh, results that will mean for our community and for a lot of individual lives and families. Uh, Great stuff. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, as always. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. Final thoughts coming up on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.